Hello, how are you? This is Blazing Business Trails. My name is Sarah Paul and we'll be discussing the challenges and issues for leaders in the professional, legal, real estate, recruitment and educational services. And my name is Corvinda Hari. Each week we'll invite industry experts, analysts and people from the business services sector onto our pod to get their insights, perspectives and learnings. This week we've been talking about the relationship between sales and marketing, the marriage of convenience. We had Laura Sloan, Head of Digital Marketing and Marketing at PwC, and our very own Madeline Storr, our Regional Vice President from our Marketing Cloud business. And listeners, there are great guests. So Sarah, you sit in the marketing function. What really hit home for you in the conversation we had with them? A lot of it resonated a lot with me, actually, because the rapid move to digital transformation this year, plus also how sales and marketing adapted to these changes. And then also we looked at relationships and how collaboration is key. So, yeah, for me, Sarah, I think one of the key things I took away was over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen sales and marketing really coming together to be seen as one entity from that customer journey and also that pipeline creation aspect. But there's loads of other insights that we picked up during the call. Yeah, we did. And, And relationship is key. Sometimes it takes time and really trust is the key factor here. And most importantly, how technology is driving the way we we do things today. Yeah, there's a blend of both, I would say. Okay, so let's not give too much away. Here's our conversation with Laura and Madeline. Welcome both Laura and Maddie to Blazing Business Trails. Thank you and hello. Hi, nice to meet you, Sarah. Hi, Colly. Yeah, nice to meet you, Maddie. Nice to meet you, Laura. It's going to be a, a fun session, Sarah, I can tell. So today we are talking about the marriage of convenience. Really great topic. I'm in the marketing world, so we're going to get a sales and marketing perspective on this topic. So I know nothing about this topic, so this is going to be a, a complete learn for me. So <laughs> so let's kick this off then. Um, so let's get this going. So Laura, this episode, is, as Sarah's just alluded to, is called A Marriage of Convenience Between Marketing and Sales. Is that true? Is that a true picture of the relationship today or have things moved on? That is a good question. Um, I think from my perspective, things have definitely moved on a bit. I mean, I'm not saying that the relationship is perfect, you know, what relationship is perfect. But, you know, from at least where I am at PwC at the moment, and maybe actually, I don't know if it'd be worth my just kind of mentioning what PwC kind of means from a sales and marketing perspective. Um, We have the business. So we have our practice staff who are out every day kind of speaking to our clients and they're definitely part of our sales force in the broadest sense of the term. But then we also have our sales team um, who are dedicated to kind of products and lines of service and, and also our key accounts. And when I think, you know, particularly about that latter group, um, it probably was a bit of a marriage of convenience, you know, particularly in kind of more more recent years. But absolutely now we've kind of worked hard over the last couple of years to just move that on a lot. I think, you know, we understand each other more on our perspectives. We can kind of see the value in what the insight has that we both share, you know, have and can share around what we're doing. Um, and we're starting to kind of think about common language between ourselves and also, you know, where can we work together more effectively across that customer journey? So it's it's still something that we have to kind of consciously think about. And maybe that's a sign of perhaps it not being 100% there yet. But, you know, absolutely, it's it's something that we kind of value and invest in a lot these days. I don't know about what you think, Sarah. So I, I'm very fortunate, actually, at Salesforce. We have a fantastic relationship between sales and marketing. And actually, we can't proceed um, with some activities without sales consent. So we need to have a collaborative culture 
at Salesforce. And, and Maddie, you can contest to that, I guess, as well. We've worked closely together before. Absolutely. I think uh, good sales and marketing relationships have to be symbiotic, or if we continue the romantic metaphor, not that a marriage of convenience is particularly romantic, but I would say, um, you know, marketing and sales have started to become lifelong partners. We've certainly moved on since the days of the the marriage of convenience. So I totally agree with you, Laura. Um, you know, there's a, there's a wide acceptance in the market that, that they're so much more than the sum of their parts and they complement each other um, mm. hugely. I actually heard a really good analogy the other day. It's a basketball one, so you'll have to kind of bear with me as I explain <laughs> it. Um, but it's a type of shot called the alley-oop. And you don't need to be a fan of basketball, don't worry to understand this one. Um, but it's when one player... Uh, passes the ball to another who's positioned really close to the net. So player one throws the ball um, to the basketball player close to the net and the the basketball player close to the net jumps into the air, catches the ball midair and dunks it into the hoop. Um, and I really liked I like that. that one because player one can rep- represent, you know, the the marketing team, uh, preparing the shot, well, you know, positioning... Um, very you know you know the shot very well um and then of course the second the second player when the shot is really well positioned just jumping jumping and and doing the final um slam dunk a really good example of of teaming between those two departments um so I, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great. We've had we've had swimming pools and cheese in our in our podcast before, so now we've got basketball. So that's that's brilliant. Thank you, Maddie. Yeah, I think it I think it shows proper teamwork, you know, mutual understanding, the ability to strategize, aligning on a common goal um, and selflessness from that first player, right? Not wanting the glory and actually throwing to the second player in order for the for the good of the team. And that really kind of demonstrates the relationship, the optimal relationship between um, marketing and sales. So, Laura, you, it sounds like that you've been at PwC for quite a few years. Has it historically been always been a, a good relationship a collaborative relationship with sales and marketing or has it been developed over time and maybe in different roles that you've had as well from maybe junior to more senior as you are today yeah definitely gosh I probably don't know if I should say this but I've been at the firm 16 years wow. which is um, a small eternity uh, when I think back at it and probably reveals a little bit about my age but hey ho um, so yeah I've been there a long time but like you say I've done lots of different roles I've done marketing roles aligned directly with the business in areas like consulting I've done roles you know more recently that are kind of more in that capability and technical space so my digital role right now um, and as you can imagine, a lot has changed in, you know, that 16 year period. And, and thinking about like, particularly with the business, when I first joined the firm, and, and actually for a number of years, I think really marketing didn't have that seat at the table with the business in the way that it does today. Um, you know, we were almost like a support function, if I'm honest, kind of slightly administrative, you know, more on that order taker rather than order maker maker spectrum um and that's something that i think's definitely changed a lot um you know we have sales and marketing directors aligned to each part of the business and they're absolutely their core part of those leadership teams um and we are there as marketing function working day-to-day with the business on 
you know, whether it's a big campaign or a product launch or, you know, their marketing strategy and plan. And it's kind of just much more in sync and in tandem now with them, which is fantastic. Um, and then that sales kind of function, which I kind of mentioned at the start, again, that's something that's changed. If I if I look back now, I think marketing, you know, myself included, was probably pretty guilty of going into that kind of dark room and developing some sort of lovely campaign and then lobbing it over the fence at sales at the last minute and saying, you know, go and talk to your contacts about it and wondering why, you know, we got a bit of a lukewarm response. And again, I think that's something that's really changed now. So we're we're working together kind of at the start on things. So there's no nasty surprises now when we come knocking on the door saying, can you go and talk to your clients about this thing? Um, it's it's kind of much more of a shared agenda, I guess. Um, and I was kind of thinking about this, actually. I was thinking, to what degree does the fact that we can actually measure our marketing more easily now play a role in the fact that we have that seat at the table a bit more? Because, you know, gosh, 16 years ago, we couldn't really measure anything that effectively. It was We were almost seen a bit like a fluffy function because of that. And now, thanks to digital tech, you know, it all has a role to play in that. But we're able to to kind of just be a bit more rigorous in the eyes of those teams. And I think that just kind of helps build our credibility a bit as well over time. I don't know what you think, Maddie, but that's kind of sort of where you know where we've started to see things shift yeah I think also there's been a huge shift over the past kind of 18 months um and the the CMO or the office of the CMO has really been seen uh, by the board in the customers that I'm speaking to as really the the window to the market you know um they're they're typically perceived as marketers are typically perceived as having kind of access to the real world way beyond just the sales figures that the the sales team might see. Um, You know, they know the customers, they understand them, they know what they're thinking and doing. And that's really, really been hugely valuable, particularly in the last 18 months. I don't know what you think, Laura. Yeah, definitely. Although I think because the nature of our business is very much relationship driven, I know yours is as well. You know, obviously we have a good relationship with you. That's um, a testament to that. But I think, you know, that it's a shared, I guess, a shared insight that we're having to come together around. So, you know, I definitely think that, um, you know, we get the voice of the customer. We see what they're engaging with, what they're interacting with, you know, what their behavior is and signals are telling us. But absolutely kind of on that on the ground insight, that sort of direct relationship is so important as well. And um, I guess it's just how all those things come together. And that's the that's the tricky part, isn't it? And the beauty, if we can get it to work properly, how you bring those two things together so that they're kind of mutually um, supportive of each other. Yeah, I also think over the years, obviously, we've moved to digital, you're a digital marketer as well. And I think there's more of a reliance now from sales to marketing on how we reach out to the client, how how we reach out to customers and clients. And um, I mean, back at you, Maddie, as well. um, I think there's a trust element here, this culture, can technology play a part with this, this piece as well? Absolutely, especially in you know, large businesses, it plays a huge part. Um, you know, it, at the most basic level, it enables um, to, us to have a human conversation at scale. Um, having good technology or a system to to collaborate and share on, you know, like a CRM, but, you know, doesn't have to be, you know, it facilitates knowing your customer, understanding the, the history um, with your brand, you know, understanding their profile and then being able to go to market to them, whether you're in sales or, or in marketing, um, based on those things in a really personalized and, and human tailored way. Um, 
So, you know, it really allows you to focus on the, the message and, you know, make that around their specific needs. And I guess, Maddie, that has never been so so as important as the last kind of 12 to 15 months, right? We've Organisations have had to engage with customers differently because, you know, they've not been able to get in front of them and you know, engage with them at events. So it's it's a different world. So, you know, what what's your experience has been mm. with the customers that you've spoken to? And, and maybe Laura can give us give us her insights from a, a PwC perspective. Well I think technology has has got us through this pandemic, right? If the pandemic had been twenty years ago perhaps, then it would be a totally different story and the world or this country might have shut down and and we would have gone into a, a recession. Actually, um, what's happened is that, you know, people have stepped up in their adoption of, of technology and we've really been able to see a huge acceleration, particularly over the past 12 months, much more than we've had in the past 12 years, for example. So, yeah, that I mean, that events point is is a really good one. You know, PwC, like many B2B organisations, we always had a really heavy reliance on events because that was a key way that the business networked and built their relationships. And, you know, we, we had a lot of emphasis on that as part of our marketing mix, I guess. But now what COVID has done is, you know, forced us to a degree to completely change the way that we do things. So now it's all about webcasts. And it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how that settles down as we move back into like our new normal whatever that looks like and kind kind of hybrid working I think we'll still end up seeing essentially you know our need to rely on technology to deliver sometimes what were in-person experiences in a virtual way now probably for the foreseeable future and it's just a really interesting development isn't it I'd like to um yeah something I mean, you never would have thought would have happened 18 yeah, months quite, ago yeah, absolutely right it wouldn't have happened 18 months ago right because we all wanted to go into nice hotels and get gift packs and all the rest of it right and, and yeah <laughs> no, nice posh lunches and stuff. Yeah. But i'm just yeah yeah absolutely we still want to do that and i can't wait to, yeah. to go to a salesforce event and get, get some <laughs> free swag but what i was going to ask you laura is <laughs> now that we've done lots of these virtual marketing based events are we getting to a point of fatigue with that now is yeah. are we are customers starting to get a bit tired of that having to sit in a virtual breakout session for two hours and then go off into different rooms are we seeing the end of the line in terms of these virtual based events i think it's a really interesting question um I think, well, I can only speak for myself, but I, I think yes to a degree. I think people are craving for some human interaction and, and events are obviously a great way to do that. And to a degree can't be completely replaced in sort of the role that they have in in helping to deepen relationships and, and just kind of make things more personal and human on a day-to-day level. But also, I do think people have got quite comfy sitting in their houses and kind of doing things when they want to and how they want to. So... I don't think everyone's going to be willing or, or wanting or even possibly able if offices and things have been removed anyway, perhaps while they've been off, to to go in for all of these events and conferences and things that they used to do. So I think it's just going to be hybrid, you know, as most most things are going to be coming out of the other side of all of this. Um, and we just need to be ready for that. You know, Salesforce have done a great job, haven't you, of kind of moving into that world as well. All your huge events that you used to do, like Dreamforce and World Tour and all that great stuff. But you know, you've found way, ways to deal with that um, and to move it into a different kind of place and space. So it will be interesting to see how it all evolves in the future again. Yeah, and we do a lot of collaboration with yourselves as well. So, you know, um, I think um, it's. I think we have to be innovative at this, this point. And, and Maddie, Maddie, it would be good to understand, you know, 
are is marketing being innovative enough? Is it um, perceived from a sales perspective that change? Is it is it how how do sales adapt to, to change really? Got to I think for what you say um, here. You know, <laughs> I know. Um, I think the very fact that we're on this podcast shows that marketing is being innovative. This is not something that perhaps we would have done eighteen months ago. Um, so it's a case in point at how fast we've been able to pivot. Um, and yes, the the future is definitely the hybrid event. Um, I totally agree with with Laura on that point. Um, and what I'm seeing land just in the market at the moment is really any event with with value exchange, right? So it has to be worth showing up to. There is webinar fatigue at the moment. Kind of gone are the days where you can, you know, sit someone down for an eight hour conference and have them engage with the whole thing. Um, especially if it's virtual, you know, the attention span is is much much lower at the moment. Um, but yeah, so it has to be about value exchange, and I've definitely seen marketing innovate towards that. That's an interesting comment, though. Value exchange is there? A, is there a company out there that's doing that better than others? Do you think? It's funny because our highest grossing event this year was a whiskey tasting. <laughs> um, <laughs> In terms of attendees, <laughs> says a lot. This is this is turning into a very alcoholic conversation. Talk about value exchange. I'm not sure that's the example you were looking no, for, Colleen. No, I don't Colleen, think it was. But... That one wasn't, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, just looking across, looking across the industry, is, you know, and I'm sure you do attend lots of sessions like all of us. But is there one company that's doing this value exchange better than others? And how far are we away from that? I think. Um, what I've seen done really well from a business development standpoint is companies that go to market and they push events that are tailored to their customer. Um, so, for example, if they're pushing you towards attending a conference, you know, they've really gone in and looked at which sessions would really work for that individual that they're pushing it towards. And they've said, you know, it it's not... Um, nine to five that you need to attend you know within that conference it's one session 30 minutes at 11 o'clock and it's going to cover these three business priorities which you've told me are really important um so yeah that's what i've seen works okay so kind of self self-selecting the sessions that are going to be relevant for your customer is what you're saying there absolutely completely tailoring it towards that that customer need what about rewards do you think, um, sometimes I know that obviously sales get um, incentives and, and rewarded probably a lot more than marketing. What are your thoughts around that, Laura? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, we are, you're right, incentivized in really different ways at the moment. And it's not something I've kind of sat down and thought about in terms of, and actually I don't think we have as a firm, in terms of whether there would be a way to kind of bring that more in line together. Um, but it's an interesting question because, I was thinking about actually some of the things the team have been doing more recently, particularly coming out the other side of things like Brexit. So if I could just give you a quick example, the firm developed a piece of software, which is kind of a solution for companies looking to do customs declarations coming out the other side of Brexit. And my team were working with them. This is kind of back end of last year to think about how we can get them to market. And, and the nature of that product, the nature of the time frame that it was relevant to the target audience, it just all really lent itself really well to particular types of advertising like PPC advertising, which were infinitely trackable. So suddenly we saw, you know, my marketers that were working on that campaign 
able to literally see within a couple of months where the efforts they were making were making tangible difference to to the bottom line. So where it was driving pipeline and where that was driving sales. And that's something we've not necessarily been able to do a great a great deal of. And in those kinds of situations where you could say, well, actually, you're literally driving the business there. Is there any reason why you shouldn't be incentivized for that? Just like you would be in sales. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, actually, that's not that common for us at the moment as a, as a firm. We, a lot of the stuff that we do is longer relationship driven activity. Things can take a long time to come to fruition. Um, so I just think it's something that we need to keep in mind and it could be something that changes over time. Matt, you, you speak to lots of customers just on the back of the question that Sarah's asked. I mean, are we right? Should marketers be compensated in the same way sales are? You know, they're doing, they're filling the funnel at the top, right? They're creating the leads, they're targeting new markets, they're creating assets that are valuable to the sales engine, you know, so why not give them a, a compensation plan of sorts? The, the question of reward doesn't have to be monetary, and I think if the t- if the teams are working really closely together, then this concept of winning as a team will really kind of come out, and success will be celebrated um, if that partnership is is close. Specifically on compensation, if we are going to talk about the the monetary reward, um, it's a really interesting one. I guess the the sales answer from my perspective would be: Do you take on the risk as well? Um, because you know, for, for, from a sales team perspective. They they win when they win, but you know they also lose when they lose, and um, so the 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 reward comes with with the risk. Yeah, that's a good point. And I expect if you asked marketers, I'm not sure they would necessarily, right now at least, be up for for that that value exchange in terms of the risk and reward. Um, you know, it's it's certainly the harder end, nose end of things, and that's not always why people have gone into marketing in the first place. Is there anything that you um, enjoy or you, you've liked the look of what Salesforce have done on a, on a marketing level and maybe that you want to see more of um, for sales? I think what we're doing really well on at the moment is partnering on industry-specific events. So we're we're picking, um, you know, a specific event, for example, in the legal space, and we're really investing there. We're understanding our our customers. We're understanding the go-to-market story, and we're showing up, you know, where our our potential prospects and customers are, and um, we're being, you know, we're we're being kind of providing key opinion leadership in that space, and that is really working from a lead generation standpoint. Um, and it's really resonating with our, our potential clients in in those spaces. So that's that's what I've seen work over the past couple of months. I would say. Yeah, let's talk about let's let's pivot maybe to talk about digital transformation, right? And, and you're both we're all in this space, and we're constantly talking to customers about digital uh, the the term digital transformation, which is often overused. But how are you seeing that? trend inside PwC and how are you as, as marketeers and Madius sellers of marketing technology driving that agenda for for, our, for your customers and, our, and for our customers Maddie? Yeah absolutely you know obviously in my role I'm a bit biased but <laughs> digital transformation has been kind of all pervasive when it comes to the marketing function probably more than any other function um, you know everything that we've 
do and have done has changed in recent years and it's really fast that pace of change as well that's that's the tough thing to kind of keep up with whether it's our channels whether it's the tools and the tech that we're using it's the skills that we're expected to have as marketers as well now in the marketplace you know all of that stuff has changed a lot and particularly from my perspective, kind of I'm expected now to almost be as much a marketing technologist as I am a digital marketer. And that's a really interesting kind of dynamic and space to be in. I find it personally incredibly interesting. That's why I'm doing it. And that's, that's why, I'm, you know, I'm in the role that I'm in. Um, and I can really see the huge potential for how the investments that we're making in technology, so things like Marketing Cloud from our perspective and Salesforce more generally, but in other tools and systems as well that we're using, how that has the potential to completely kind of change the the client experience from a marketing standpoint. Um, but that is, you know, that's a huge shift. And it's also a, a shift that you have to bring the business along on the journey of as well, kind of why we're doing that, why it's important, you know, why it's important to stay relevant to our, our clients in that way. Um, and it's interesting because I just, I'm just not sure actually that the sales teams have been through that same level of change. They're absolutely, don't get me wrong, they're embracing technology in the same way that we are. You know, they are absolute advocates of things like our CRM system now. Um, they're embracing things like digital proposals. They're absolutely using our tools and tech day in and day out. But the degree to which it's almost an expectation that marketing have that now as a core skill set, particularly if we were going external, for example. It's just a slightly different emphasis for us. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a challenge. It's a constant challenge. I totally agree. Um, in in the you know nine times out of ten, when we're when we're talking to to customers at Salesforce, um, and we're trying to implement a piece of technology, particularly with a digital transformation, that digital skills gap is absolutely huge. People, um, you know, they're asking, they're, they're coming to us and they're saying, how do we resource this project? Who can you recommend in the market that can do this for us? You know, how do we get people on the ground uh, that are the experts on this? So I absolutely agree with you. There is a, a digital skills gap Um particularly in the in the kind of martech space absolutely you know and, and it's it's just hugely competitive and and what it's kind of made us look to do is think about how we can be more competitive ourselves so we're having to look at things like salaries we're having to think about how can we attract people in you know with the power of our brand how can we invest in the right skills and qualifications for people coming in but also how we upskill the people that we've got because it's just not possible to necessarily feed that fully from external kind of hires and things so it's yeah it's a constant challenge but it's a good challenge it means it's now an important and absolutely key focus area for businesses isn't it so you're saying that the the external curricula then offered by universities and colleges in in this space is not fit for purpose and there's there's a room for improvement at that at that level which is you know educating the next digital marketer that's going to be coming through through the machine yeah, it's a really it's a really good question actually. I mean, I have business placement students that come into my team each year, for example, doing marketing degrees. And actually, digital marketing is absolutely something they study, but it's not until they get in that they realise really what we mean by that. Um, 
And so actually, we've been doing some interesting stuff recently, my team working with different kinds of sources for potential talent in the future. Like we've done some work with London South East College, just upskilling their apprentice students that are doing more, more practical digital marketing kind of vocational qualifications, not necessarily all university based, because actually, I think sometimes for the skills that we need, we're going to need to look to non-traditional sources for talent, actually. Um, and that's not always going to come from the traditional routes that perhaps we're used to recruiting from. So it's an interesting area, actually. That's interesting because we have talked about you know apprenticeships on one of our previous podcasts and and, and organisations sourcing talent through relationships with local colleges and universities and bringing them through and then getting them into their own programmes. Right? Do you see PwC doing that specifically for your space? Yeah, absolutely. That's something we're definitely looking at at doing. And um, I think it's important as well, because it also brings in greater diversity of thought, you know, particularly organisations like PwC in the past might have traditionally kind of recruited from, you know, the the red brick universities, but actually that really needs to change. And it's something that we're actively kind of investing in and pursuing to make sure that it's not just um, diversity of skills, but also diversity of people. So we have to look to different sources to get that that into the firm, not just the usual routes. If it's anything like my daughter and son, they're on TikTok, Insta, and Snapchat all the time, right? So the way the way they think about messaging is completely different to how their fifty year old dad thinks about messaging, right? So it's a completely different different way they look at things now. We recently had a a webinar on war and talent. In fact, and uh, we were talking about how to retain talent within sales and marketing as well. So and what is interesting is that um, it's top of mind for, for a lot of managers in the C-suite how to, re- to, to to keep that talent within the business. I don't know. Is there any 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 incentive schemes or anything like that that you have, Laura, at PwC? And Maddie, within your your team, let's go to Laura first. Yeah, we're kind of absolutely looking at things like for, particularly for technical skilled, you know, individuals that we're bringing in, how do we make sure that we can retain them and keep them? Because like you said, Maddie, there's a real shortage, particularly in the MarTech space, you know, marketing cloud, for example, it's a really tough space to recruit in. Um, so just making sure that we've got, you know, career paths mapped out for people that we can support them with the right training and upskilling while they're here. So they feel that they're still developing, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. It's not it's not necessarily incentives and I guess the sense that maybe you're thinking but um you know these these individuals these skills are now seen as absolutely critical um to the function whereas before you know we were probably more towards that generalist end of the spectrum so pure technical skills were not necessarily seen as a priority but they definitely are now yeah yeah. maddie what about you i mean i know that um, from my personal experience we find that um, sales find it, you know, if they want ahead, they seem to get it more easily than marketing as well. What, what's your pers- It is true on our side, but it's, it's. Have you got um? Have you got any perspectives on that? You know, what what keeps your talent in within your team? Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a challenge getting the headcount. I think it's a, a challenge getting the diversity that reflects the UK population. Um, and we've started to look in kind of non-traditional places for our talent internally at Salesforce um, and externally for, for sales roles. Um, but of course, I also see in our customers and in our prospects, they are also having to look into non-traditional places in order to hire um, because of that that skills gap. Um, we're actually designing an apprenticeship scheme for Marketing Cloud so that we can um, get some apprentices in 
um, specifically for sales. So that will be a UK first apprenticeship scheme for Salesforce, um, which is obviously absolutely great. Um, and when I talk about kind of non-traditional places for, for hiring, in our clients, I often see um, a company called Supermums uh, popping up. And what that is yeah, what that is, is, you know, women coming back to work after having had children that perhaps only want to do one, two, three days a week. And, um, you know, with huge amounts of skill, particularly in digital marketing, um, and those those profile of, of, of lady are, you know, very employable, um, and being absolutely snapped up. So the the talent pool is absolutely out there. Uh, I think sometimes we just need to look into different places in order to foster that. So can we talk about um, how this lifelong partnership stays together for the future and the you know what what's what do what do both sides of the fence need to do to keep this relationship intact and strengthen it as we move forward through the coming months and years? I'll throw that to Laura first. Laura, how do you see how do you see this relationship cementing? It really is starting to sound like a marriage now, Carly, from the way you're describing it there. Well, coming up um, to 25 years. Yeah, I think kind of, you know, that sales and marketing relationship of the future, what could that look like? It's a, it's a good question. Um, I mean, in an idealistic world, you know, if I had everything my way, um, I think for me it would be focused around probably a couple of different areas. So that shared insights agenda. Um, I think for so long we've all had kind of insights around the customer and what's of interest to them and and how they're behaving and interacting with us as an organisation in different silos around the business. But actually, that's now coming together. So how can we really use that and harness that to make you know the sales and marketing function and that relationship that we have really powerful for the business? So how can we turn that into like our secret weapon in a way that we use to? you know, add value to the business and show where we could and should be doing things and doing that differently. Um, and earlier to your point, Maddie, around personalization, that's so important, obviously, particularly from a marketing perspective, I'm a little bit biased, but how we use that insight across sales and marketing in that relationship to tailor the client experience, whether that's marketing touch points, whether that's when we're out at client site having conversations with our, our contacts, you know, how can we use that to make sure that whatever that touch point is that they're having with us, it's in sync, it makes sense, it's relevant, it's engaging. Um, that would be kind of, you know, the dream, the dream scenario, I guess, me. Um, but not easy, not easy to do or, or to get to. I think it's only going to get closer and stronger. So the relationship is going to grow over the next few years. I don't think we're going to go back to a... a a point in time where you know marketing and sales teams sit on different floors and only see each other in the lift um i really think that we're going to continue to be in dialogue ingrained um laura to your point those insights are going to help that feedback loop that i mentioned earlier is super important but i think we're going to see much more of a joint go to market approach going forward um because you know, ultimately, it's about the the client that you're going after. Um, and in order to, to, you know, create a tailored and personalized experience for that specific client, whether it's one to one or at scale, you know, the, the teams within an organization do need to come together in order to, to do that. Well, last question. Um, we haven't touched on account based marketing. And I know that's something that PwC are very strong on. 
as well. And it's been practiced now by quite a lot of companies. Um, do you think that's brought also sales and marketing closer together by homing in on particular accounts as well? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, you're right, absolutely key account marketing is important to us. I think the one thing that we struggle slightly with, if I'm honest, as as a function is how to do that at scale. So what we found in the instances where we genuinely focus purely on, say, one account, perhaps an account that's going to turn from being an audit client to perhaps a, an advisory client, and, and how do we make sure that, you know, we really focused on them, for example. That's something that's proved to be incredibly time consuming. You know, we can make it work, we can do it. Um, but actually to really make it personalised at that account level, it takes a huge amount of manpower from my team in particular, from our content team, our creative teams to make that work. So I think the challenge is how do we do ABM, but at scale? Um I you know the technology certainly has a role to play in that. You'll be you'll be pleased to hear at Salesforce, but um I think it has it has a role to play in helping us to think about, you know, how do we understand what's happening at those accounts? How can we create the right content for them at the right time? How can we get that into their hands easily and, and measure it? All of those things. That's it's a tricky it is a tricky thing to do. So we don't do it at scale. I think what what's really moment. what's really helpful in the kind of ABM situations when you are kind of going one to one um with a literally one to one, yeah, literally one to one with a with a prospect or a, or an existing client um, to try and cross sell or upsell them, um, is that feedback loop. I think it's really really important between marketing and sales that they communicate over what is landing so that you can create scale. Mm. Um, you know, as as you move on to to further clients, you know, if you're if you're sending case studies or white papers or data visualizations, whatever it is that you're providing on that one-to-one basis, it's really important to have that feedback loop between marketing on, and sales as to what's been impactful. Um, you know, what did we what do we use as leverage within that that customer so that we can you know mm-hmm. marketing can design the most powerful outreach campaigns um, at scale going forward and and kind of reutilize that. Um, secret source that worked couldn't agree more so thank you so much laura and maddie for joining today thank you for having us having us it's been a pleasure what really stood out for me was digital first strategy trust and collaboration we seem to be getting guests who want to talk about some really interesting stuff but basketball we've managed (laughs) to get basketball into our podcast you know last time it was cheese and Swimming pools. Jump, swimming pools, and this time it's it's basketball. I can't wait for the next podcast to see what emerges on that one. Exactly. So we yeah we we try and relate it to either films or sports. It seems doesn't doesn't it? So anyway, I'm Sarah Paul. I'm Kevin Dahari, and this is Blazing Business Trails. Join us next time for our business services podcast, brought to you by Salesforce.